Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Drumroll, please. Zach and EJ Talk Sports. We have been away for several weeks, but we are back with an all-NFL episode today. We're going to be talking about our fantasy seasons. We're going to be talking about our mid-season awards. Zach is going to break down who he feels are the top quarterbacks in the game. And we are also going to give you this week's picks. My man, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, EJ? Good. For all of you out there who do not know, Zach is a fierce general manager in fantasy football. How many guys right now on your team would you say are starting for you that were drafted? I've never seen somebody make so many trades. You and Howie Roseman are the wheeler and dealers. I'm trying to think. One, two, not including defense and kicker. I don't think I got <laughs> we so three, three. So why don't you give everybody a quick breakdown of your fantasy football team, your uh, the way you started off, and then what your trade and free agency pickup strategy has been and where you are now, because you have absolutely done a complete 180 turnaround with your team and are absolutely, as I've always said, you are poised to make a run. You just, yeah. you know, you got, you're poised to make a run right now. You've made some, some key acquisitions. So why don't you kind of catch everybody up on what you've been doing? All right. So I started this season with Trey Lance as my quarterback. Obviously week two, we got injured. He's out for the year. So then I picked up Gino. Gino was my quarterback for a while, except two weeks ago, uh, since I am three and seven. And at that point was two and Five or something like that. I don't know. That was bad math. But uh, uh, I picked up Justin Fields. He is now my starter because he's a beast. Uh, running back-wise, I started the season with Najee Harris and Alvin Kamara. Uh, I traded Najee Harris for Devonta Smith straight up uh, after like nine weeks of disappointment. Uh, Kamara is still my running back. He doesn't score many touchdowns, but he's a very good player. Uh, running back two now is Miles Sanders who I traded Tony Pollard and Terry McLaurin for, which EJ reminds me often that he thinks it's a overpay. I'm not a, not a huge but fan of that trade, but I get it. I'm a big Miles Sanders guy. He's good. And then I acquired Pollard by trading TJ Hawkinson, who I originally had. Now my tight end is George Schultz. Kittle, and I also have Dalton Schultz. Yeah. Uh, Both waiver wire pickups. Yeah, my receivers are Hopkins and Devonta Smith. Yep, smart sitting on Hopkins in the draft. Yeah, my flex this week is Brian Robinson coming off a big week, but I also got Sutton and now Hollywood Brown, who I just picked up coming back off the bench. Now the best kicker in the game, Nick Folk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, Nick Folk's giving you a couple uh, a couple 20, 20 spot games there. So <clears throat> the thing that's been very fun and interesting about this year's fantasy, um, barring the, the injuries, my team has been bit by the injury bug. I had Javante Williams. Mm -hmm who I lost, and then um, ended up trading uh, Christian Kirk for Brees Hall, mm -hmm. uh, who was supposed to fill that void, and uh, he gave me several good weeks, and then he went down with an injury too. Mm -hmm. But what's been very fascinating about this year are the players that have been coming on that are showing that they have the ability to be league winners, meaning you know mm -hmm. to turn the tide for certain teams. I'd like your take on a couple of these guys. Obviously, one of them you picked up was Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. Another guy right now that's come on is uh, Deontay Foreman, mm -hmm. who a lot of people are really, really high on and think that he could possibly be a league winner. Christian Watson strung together a couple good weeks in a row. 
Um, personally, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm, I'm sold on him. And then we have some guys in the, uh, in the weeds that I'm, I'm banking on because, uh, I've been carrying him for a while. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco, who looks like he might be taking over that backfield fully. Uh, yeah. Edwards Alaire didn't even get any touches last week. Yeah. Uh, Rashad White, who looks like he might be, uh, taking over the backfield in Tampa, which I like. Um, but again, these guys aren't um, on the, the, the pace right now as, say, for example, like an Alave or what, you know, Watson has done or Fields. But, but who are some guys right now that you see as these off-radar jumping in now, whether it be injury or opportunity, and have the ability to be some league winners? I think a lot of people are, one of them is Hollywood Brown, but a lot of guys who are hurt and will be back for the playoffs. When you look at someone's team, you're not realizing, oh, they got Jamar Chase on the IR. And guys like that, when they come back, as long as you make the playoffs, it's like they miss no time. I think a lot of injured guys, a lot of the running backs you mentioned are a beast. One guy who got drafted pretty late and has been balling, uh, Stevenson for the Patriots. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's playing amazing. He took the backfield over from Harris. Yep. And uh, obviously Fields, who had a very subpar first half of the year. Then the last four games, he's just been electric. Yeah. Not so much throwing the ball. He's been very good throwing the ball, and he's throwing touchdowns. But he's getting a lot of his, uh, a lot of his production on the ground. Mm. Who would you put right now as the biggest? I think I know your answer, but the biggest uh, fantasy disappointment this year in fantasy football. I would have said Jonathan Taylor, except it seems like he's bouncing back after a really good game last week. So I will go who I took with my first-round pick. And in an earlier podcast, I said he will be the number one overall pick next year. He will not be a top-five-round mm. pick. Najee Harris. He's just... He hasn't been the explosive player we saw last year. Last year, yes, the offensive line was still bad. Last year, obviously, they still had a bad quarterback. But last year, he, while he still wasn't efficient, he had this explosiveness to him. He could break off big runs. He was hurtling people, stiff-arming people into the dirt. And this year, it just seems... His already subpar visions just got a lot worse. Yeah. The offensive line can't be any worse. He's just lost that explosiveness. Where now it seems like he's just a big guy just rumbling to get tackled for like two yards. Yeah, his even last year, and we talked about that in an earlier in an earlier podcast that his yards per carry were not actually. I mean, at that point, I think you know he was like two or three yards per carry. I debate with Najee, and and since you picked Najee, I'll I'll list somebody else. I think I have to go Kyle Pitts. When I think about where everybody was reaching, and that's that's the issue a lot of times is you know biggest disappointment was he seemed to be a a very high ceiling, you know end high floor guy, mm-hmm. and has just I mean actually let me let me rephrase I'm gonna say the biggest disappointment this year in fantasy football has been the tight end class. Yeah, that's fair. Outside of Travis Kelsey, mm-hmm. what are we getting? Our Andrews has been hurt mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and then after that, I mean, Dalton Schultz looks like he might be getting back to Dalton Schultz form, but he was non-existent. Mm-hmm. Pitts, Waller, I Kittle. mean, yeah, yeah, Kittle. I mean, these were these were some reaches because everybody felt like if you're not going to grab a, you know, we talked about it in our on our other podcast, if you're not going to grab a top three or you know three or four tight end, you can get some guys later on. And, and in a lot of drafts, you know, uh, these these five or six big names went quick. And there is just no separation between them and your common folk tight end that's out there right now, you know, getting you points. So I feel a lot of us have been burned in the draft by tight ends. I think mm-hmm. Najee's burned a lot of people. Um, Christian McCaffrey as well. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's given you a couple games, but I mean, here's, you know, 
a guy that is the number two or possibly for some people, number one pick in the draft, who's in a full on running back committee mm-hmm. in, um, you know, out there in San Francisco. But with that, does anybody jump to mind this year as a value pick? One guy who I've watched a lot because I had Gino as my quarterback. I'm just like, how did this guy fall? I've said this guy's watching on all the podcasts. I didn't even consider drafting him at all. Tyler Lockett. Mm. He's a guy who, it's very funny, he takes no hits. He mm. catches the ball and that just intentionally dives forward onto the ground. So Because he's, a, he's, a, he's kind of small. But he's a great route runner. He's an amazing deep threat for Gino. Yeah. He's al- he gets more uh, targets than DK, I feel like, in that game. He's really the safety blanket. For Gino, he gets the ball a ton, and when he does, he's, it's always a big play. Yeah, I feel like he was going like the eighth, ninth round. I, I'm with you on that. Um, and, and since you pick them, I will pick the other team that I felt got a lot of fade um, going into the draft, and two players on that team. And I'll start with the top one, Nick Chubb. Mm-hmm. I think uh, a, a lot of people going into these fantasy drafts started fading the Seahawks and fading the Browns. We're just staying away from, like you mentioned. Metcalf, Lockett. I mean, you know, Rashad Penny got a lot of play. I wasn't a Rashad Penny guy. I, I liked Kenneth Walker yeah. going in and, and you know, pat myself on the back, drafted Kenneth Walker and um, was hoping that he would, you know, win the job. I didn't need him to be a starter for me. Um, but the Browns, I, I, like most people, passed on Nick Chubb and Amari Cooper was not even on my on my radar. Not that he's lighting the world on fire, but... You know, he's had a solid uh, solid fantasy season. Nick mm-hmm. Chubb has had a great fantasy season. Yeah. Um, so those are the two teams, Metcalf, Lockett, and I feel like Chubb and, and Cooper have been guys that got a lot of fade going in and now are proven to be some, some value picks. So with that said, let's transition away from our fantasy football and let's move to the actual NFL. And why don't you give me your mid-season performance awards? Uh, we'll start, we'll work our way up to MVP. Let's start with the uh, award that gets the less, least publicity, not really count for that much. Let's go with Comeback Player of the Year. Comeback Player of the Year. But we were talking about this the other day. It's actually a very interesting race because you, uh, you have some good contenders. you got Geno Smith, who went from being essentially an NFL nobody to being uh, an MVP contender. Saquon coming back from a, a few seasons of being injured and not playing as well and being one of the better running backs in the league. Then you got Nick Bosa, similar thing, was hurt last year, came back, played great. Then you got Brian Robinson, who is not on the same level of play as those guys. But he got shot twice and came back about five weeks later. And uh, he he would be my runner-up, but I am taking Geno Smith, just because going into this year, uh, very few people will know who Geno Smith was, and that's just because of the, like, two games he played for Russ last year. Uh, Everyone wrote him off. Everyone said. He didn't write back. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Everyone said to uh, that Locke should have been the starter, and nothing against Drew Locke, but Drew Locke would not be doing this. He has them winning what many people said was the hardest division in football. Yeah. Clearly it isn't anymore. But And he's he's playing great. He's playing smart, but he's also he's not just throwing check downs. He's, mm-hmm. he's made some highlight plays as well. I'm going to take Geno. I'm, I'm a fan of Geno. Um, uh, we, we talked early uh, on our last podcast, which was week one or week two, that there was something very dangerous about a guy like that that now, you know, has something to play for and, you know, had first-round ability and might have been humbled a little bit, um, you know, and, and the situation changed and, and helped refocus. But 
this is one of those times when it's it's you just have to take the money line and and I just I can't walk away from if Saquon's on the list I gotta go Saquon I mean mm-hmm. he's just looked so dominant and um, you know is essentially the Giants' offense yeah so um, the fact that we knew what he could get I mean I think Geno's the more compelling story because you know Saquon had a little bit of a body of work mm-hmm. and had that whole potential of you know if he's healthy what he can do but. He couldn't stay healthy. Where Gino, I don't think anybody really at any point thought, you know, this guy can be, you know, a top five mm-hmm. QB in, in the league outside of maybe when he was first drafted and, and just projecting that, but not, you know, not based off any sort of performance. So I'm, um, I like it. I like the Gino pick. I wouldn't be uh, disappointed if Gino got it, um, but I'm going to go with Saquon. Next up, we have the defensive rookie of the year. Uh, it was a very good defensive rookie class. The first four picks were all defensive players. Mm. Uh, Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker have been have shown good flashes. Obviously, Trayvon came in being knowing he's going to be a project. He's not going to be a force off day one. Hutchinson has had a few good games, and he's he's building up, but they're not in this contention. It's really a two-man race between two corners, but Derek Stingley's not one of them. Mm. It's Sauce Gardner and Tariq Woolen. And I'm going to lean towards Sauce, because <laughs> I have some statistics here. Uh, Sauce has been targeted 46 times and gave up 20 catches. Mm-hmm. Woolen's been targeted 45 times and gave up 26 catches. He also has five picks, which is worth something. But then also, the passer rating allowed when they're the closest defender. Sauce's is 71.7, and Woolen's is 97.2. That was a shocking stat for me. Uh... I think Woolen's a beast, but I'm going to lean towards Sauce, the guy who's already putting himself in the top five cornerback conversation yep. uh, just 10 weeks into his rookie year. No argument for me. Sauce Gardner, um, he's got everything that you'd want from a corner. He's got the swag. He's doing it in, in a tough market um, in New York and playing on the Jets, and he's gone up against some some quality receiving cores and you know has, has shown up. So mm-hmm. I'm with you. No argument, Sauce Gardner. Next, we have the Offensive Rookie of the Year, which looked like it was going to be a landslide for Brees Hall, who was essentially the entire Jets offense, and (laughs) they were a good offense. He got hurt, so obviously he won't win it. It makes the race much less interesting. We have Chris Olave, who comes in third for me. His production hasn't been as good, but his talent on the field has been amazing. He's going to be a force for years to come. Then in second, I have Kenneth Walker. I think he might be the best rookie running back besides Brees Hall, mm. but I'm going to give the award to Damian Pierce just because he's produced a bit more. He has, I'm trying to do this math, I'll just say the numbers, he has 70, 70, 772 rushing yards, which is top five in the league. Kenneth Walker has just under 600, and obviously Kenneth Walker's offense passes a lot more, but they are, they are also on the field a lot more. Yeah. Pierce's offense is just kind of terrible. Without him, and he's he's a wrecking ball. Yep. He breaks tackles like crazy. I'm going with Pierce. Yeah, Lavi doesn't have a quarterback, <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's hurting him. I mean, um, you know, but when he gets the opportunity, um, you know, he is an electrifying player, and uh, I do like Kenneth Walker. I think he has an absolute ton of ability. Um, this is turning out to be looking like a great um, running back class. Mm. Uh, Brees Hall. Obviously, as well, who had a slow start to the year. Kenneth Walker wasn't starting. Started the year with uh, having to have a hernia surgery. 
Um, but when he worked his way in, he got the most of the opportunities. But the guy that's been doing it from day one as rookie has been Damian Pierce. Mm-hmm. And he is a monster. I mean, he was trucking people mm-hmm. in that Eagles game. He is running, you know, uh, he, is, he is a major component of that offense regardless of the score. Mm-hmm. And that tells you the faith that the team has in the player. So, yeah, with, I'm with you, Pierce. Next up, we get into the more interesting awards. We have three left. I'll do Offensive Player of the Year before we go to DPOI. I have Tyree Kill. It's <laughs> Jefferson really makes a good case after his last game, including one of probably the best catch of all time. That was insane. But Tyreek's on pace for over yep. 2,000 yards, I believe. He has the most receptions in the league. He has the most yards in the league. And while he's a very good quarterback... Tua is not the most accurate deep ball thrower. Tyreek's still getting it done. Yeah. He doesn't have that many touchdowns, but overall, he's just been the best receiver in the league. Uh, he's almost got better going from Patrick Mahomes to another quarterback. Yeah, I mean, Tyreek could have could have made a, uh, an appearance in our you know best fantasy values because I think mm-hmm. he got he caught a fade, you mm-hmm. know, as well um, with that. And 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 Tyreek is a weapon. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is just a weapon, an offensive weapon. Um, he came over to Miami. He is, you know, I- I integrated into every aspect of that offense. He is just a matchup nightmare. And yeah, um, you know, I, being a Dolphins fan myself and not being the biggest Tua guy, um, and still, you know, remaining there, I think Tua excels at running the RPO. He's, mm-hmm. he's a point, Tua's a point guard is what he is. He's not... Yeah. He's not to me, you know, your your typical put the game on on the guy's shoulders, mm-hmm. have him drop back, you know, make you know read through four or five different progressions. Mm-hmm. He's Steve Nash, right? He's he's out there, he's facilitating, and he's moving the ball, and he's getting it, you know, to where he needs to get it. If you look at the windows to us to throw into, he's throwing into college like windows. He's not having to fit this ball all the time into into mm-hmm. small, super tight spaces. However, he has shown with his accuracy in the short ball and inter you know intermediate ball that he can make those throws. Um, he, I, I, you know, I don't want to sit here and, and speak, you know, just unfairly negative about somebody that's probably in the MVP talk for most people. But, you know, when you watch the Dolphins play and you look at the scheme of McDaniels, mm-hmm. you look at what Waddle and um, Hill do to a defense, and then you look at the fact that he has two running backs, McDaniels, from an offense that he knows well now. He has Wilson and he has Mostert. And these guys are just monsters with car- with carrying the ball. That Tua is, you know, hey, he has a stock, he has a stock covered. But Hill is really the the engine. In, in my opinion, if you talk about a dolphin being in the MVP category, it should be Hill. You know, sure. Hill is Hill's a monster. So I I, I can't sit here and, and put anybody else against him as for his offensive play of the year, especially given the um the records he's on pace to to smash. Justin Jefferson has had, I think, the flash and yeah. some moments, but he has had some games, too, where he's been non-existent. Mm-hmm. Hill has basically been a factor in every game he's Every played. game's 100 yards. And it's yeah. not who's the better player, it's who's had the better year. Right, right. Let's get into Defensive Player of the Year, where it's a close race, which was not like a, oh, everyone's been amazing. There's been, these five people have been amazing, but it's not like they've been blowing the roof off. It's a steady defensive year. We've got, I'm just going to mention three guys before I get into my, the two guys I really consider. You've got Miles Garrett, every year, just a great player. Pat Sertan, who's taken over probably the top yep. one quarterbacks, cor- yep. cornerback spot. Yep. He, he's locked down. And Nick Bosa, mm-hmm. already mentioned he's having a great year. Then I really wanted to give it to Matthew Judon, because I'm a Patriots fan. He has 12 sacks, leads the league. But I had to give it to the best defensive player in the league, who's also 
Well, I forgot about Aaron Donald for a sec. But One of the top two defensive player in the league who's had a very good year, and I had to dive into some advanced statistics to uh, show how good he is. We got Micah Parsons. He has eight sacks. He's just Generations Lawrence Taylor. He has two forced fumbles. He has 24 solo tackles. And then this is the advanced statistic. He has a 90.7 PFF grade, Mm -hmm. which really just shows how effective you've been on the field. Uh, That's significantly higher than Judon, and uh, so that's why he had it. He's just a monster. If you don't know where Micah Parsons is at all times as an offensive player, you're gonna get destroyed. Yeah. You gotta realize where he is. You gotta plan for that. Yeah. No, he is. He's he's an absolute top tier defender right now. I think he's the he's the best in the game. Um, mm-hmm. I think that you know to you game plan around Micah Parsons. Um, he's an absolute disruptor. So I I'm on board. That's that's my vote as well. And finally, we have MVP. Oh man. I'm gonna mention some guys first. We got Derrick Henry. I was gonna mention for offensive player of the year. He was also in the contention. He's uh, bounced back from a kind of shaky year. He's just been a monster. That team is, has a really good record, and it's mostly because of him. And uh, you just can't tackle him, even still. You can't. And he looks quicker than he has in uh, past years to me. Now, we have Jefferson, already mentioned him. He's just probably the best receiver in football. You've got to have a safety over the top or you're getting cooked. Even then, he might still just take it out of both of your hands. Yeah. What are you going to do against him? Then I also have Tyreek contention and then this is my finer nah, final four i'm struggling to talk today we have josh <laughs> allen who might many people might have allen winning it but he's just throwing too many picks right he looks a lot more like rookie and sophomore josh allen than just the, the dude then the josh allen we became used to knowing he's making a ton of mistakes and then i think we're gonna keep talking about him throughout this episode i have two uh i am ahead of josh allen that team's good. You know, it's when he's played, they haven't lost a game. He's the only undefeated quarterback mm-hmm. in the league. Uh, without him, you notice how much worse that offense was, how much worse the team was. He's not the flashy guy. He's not going to throw the seven-yard bomb, but he does what he needs to, and because of that, that's what makes him so good. And also, he is extremely, I would say, accurate. Obviously, not adulted. He's accurate in the short and mid game. Yeah, absolutely. He, he is. He's a good quarterback. And then you got Geno. I really want to give it to Geno. But just compared to these top two guys, Gino's just not on that level. But mm-hmm. he's leading that team to a really good record. And honestly, he's he looks really good. His statistics are yeah. good. He's first in the league in completion percentage. And overall, he's just having a great year. Then in second, the guy I would have picked if he hadn't lost a game to Washington. <laughs> Jalen Hurts. His team still only has one loss. He went from being a fantasy quarterback to being an NFL quarterback. Right. He's getting down on the ground still, but also his arm has improved significantly. A.J. Brown has provided a huge difference having a real wide receiver one out there. Mm-hmm. Then we have my MVP, MVP pick, the guy who I said Josh Allen was better than. I can't say that anymore. Patrick Mahomes. He's got better by losing Tyreek Hill, by losing a uh, wide receiver who's in the MVP conversation. He somehow has had a better, better year. He leads the league in yards and passing touchdowns without Tyreek Hill, Throwing it to Kelsey and really no one else. Right, committee. Uh, and he he's just crazy. You watch him, he, it looks like I don't know how his team is lost. Yeah. It looks like they're not going to lose the game. If I had to pick someone for the Super Bowl, I'd probably pick the Chiefs to win it, realistically. Just because you can't stop Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Um, I think that right now you're seeing, you know, we're witnessing Pat Mahomes in his prime. Like this mm-hmm. is, this is you know, the pinnacle 
of you know quarterback play and you know his his best work and he's truly showing his command over that offense that he is that offense mm -hmm. and now you know you're you're watching the, the Chiefs build and bring in pieces to to work around him yeah as opposed to prior to this we always heard you know Andy Reid's offense like you mentioned you know you had weapons like you know Tyreek Hill that were there um, you know, we variety of running backs who, you know, now like guys like Edwards Hilaire, who aren't even really touching the ball, mm -hmm. you know, who are, you know, have been, you know, in, in years past, uh, more integral parts of the offense. You know, they brought in guys like Lev Bell and, uh, you know, they've always had, uh, McKinnon mm -hmm. and, you know, here we have, you know, Pat Mahomes, you know, losing, losing weapons, bringing in new guys and still, like you said, winning, and it looks like, you know, the AFC Championship is once again going to have to go through Kansas City. Mm -hmm. So there's been a lot of guys that we know have the talent and, and could have, you know, challenged for that spot. Um, I, I don't necessarily penalize Hurts too much for the loss to Washington. Mm -hmm. um, to me, it's just more that Mahomes right now is playing on a level that I don't really see anybody else consistently performing at. Yeah. So Mahomes is definitely, in my opinion, the, the most valuable player in the league right now. All right. So with that said, why don't we move on to continue our quarterback conversation, and we are going to talk about your top 10 NFL quarterbacks from the perspective of draft position for the next five years. Are there any other stipulations that are inside this. Are we are we building? Is this a is this a is this a rebuild? Is this a uh... This is just for the next five years who I think the I'd rather have the ten best quarterbacks I'd want to have. Okay, ten best quarterbacks. <laughs> Alright. We starting from ten and working our way up? Alright, sure. How about you try to guess them? Who do you think I have at number ten? At ten, I am gonna say we are in Man, it's tough. It's tough to go with well, I'm I'm putting Wilson outside the top ten right now. Not even close. Yeah. I don't know if he's top twenty right now. Um, we could be, if we are a Cousins fan, we could have Cousins lurking in that mm -hmm. area. Uh, that's probably primary for people that are big Geno Smith advocates. Um, I'm gonna say knowing you and your level of excitement this year, I'm gonna say that we're probably in Geno Smith territory. You are a hundred percent correct. I'm Geno Smith. He is still. He's, uh, I just don't know how old he is, but I know he's not that old. He, I believe he's under 30, uh, and he's just playing great football. I think he can, I thought he was a fluke, but he's done it for 10 weeks. I think he can mm -hmm. continue to produce. Okay. And we got nine. Let's see. I'm going to take a shot and say that you are going to put, you're going to put Justin Fields up in that area. No. It's not Justin Fields. Okay, who do we have? We have Kyler Murray. Ah. Uh, neither of us are... I used to be a huge Kyler Murray guy. Neither of us are that huge anymore. No. But we still got to believe in the number one overall mm -hmm. pick. Uh, he has the leg talent. He has the arm talent. He's just got to put it all together. And I think he might never be the player he was supposed to be, top five in the league. But I think he can be a, a consistent top ten guy. If he really focuses, starts starting film, and like locks in on the game, I think he can be consistently around this range. Okay. And then okay. we got number eight. Hmm. Eight. Let's see. I'm going to say, I'm assuming you're going to have guys like Brady and Rodgers outside the top ten. 
given their age. Um, let's say here you're going with Dak. Dak is not on my list. I went with uh, Tua here at number eight. I, right. I, I, I can live with Tua at eight, although I don't know if, if I can put Tua. If you were to have you had Tua in top, inside the top five, I was probably going to lose my mind. Yeah. Tua, break Tua down for me here. All right. So Tua, as Tyree Kill said, he went from Mahomes to Tua and said, I now play with the most accurate quarterback in the league. And while I don't agree with him on that sense, I'll still take Mahomes in that category. Tua's extremely accurate in the short and medium game. He's very good at getting, uh, also credit to the coach, at getting his guys involved. He always seems to be in control when he's under quarterback. As opposed to uh, past years, he doesn't seem frantic when the pressure's coming. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he got hurt because he took that uh, one huge hit. But he seems to be comfortable with the pressure. Obviously, he would be even higher, except he still struggles to really place the deep ball and I don't know what's always his arm strength mm -hmm. I think it's that I think he probably has the arm strength he just doesn't he's not great at placing where it is so he's always under throws the deep ball right but I, I have him an eight I'd rather have him than these guys just because of the success he's had well let me let me press pause on this conversation for a second and, and I don't want to divert too much but I do want to get your thoughts on this are the days of having conversations like we're having now where we're talking about quarterbacks, you know, redrafting, quarterback to start your franchise, whatever it might be, are the days of what they call the prototypical quarterback gone? Meaning, is it even fair for us to be doing these type of evaluations right now, given the fact that quarterback and the quarterback play is largely becoming systematized, mm -hmm. meaning it's a guy that fits a system? Very few, I mean, is there an NFL offense that Mahomes couldn't run? Probably not. I mean, could could Herbert thrive in an RPO offense? I don't know. Um, so when we're talking about these quarterbacks, like a guy like Tua, do we praise or penalize Tua where we say, here he was in a completely different system where he was asked to be you know, your NFL dropback quarterback last year and he failed and he failed miserably. This year, they bring in a coach who says, I'm going to you know, unlock this guy's talents. Mm -hmm. I'm going to build an offense around him. We're, we're going to give him a plethora of weapons. And we're going to have him run the RPO game. Mm -hmm. Does that make Tua an elite quarterback? Or does that make him a great RPO quarterback for a system? So meaning, right now, if you were a Miami Dolphin fan, or if you were you know, an NFL GM and you had a pick right now, and you were in charge of the Dolphins, and you said, I'm going to take Tua, keep Tua as my quarterback with a new coach and a new system, or I'm going to keep McDaniels, his system, mm -hmm. but we're going to put a new quarterback in that, in that system. Which one do you trust more right now? Well, I'm going to think about that while I uh, go further on that point. I think you can't penalize Tua for being in a good system. That's like saying, right. write with your left hand. Now I'm going to let you write with my right, write with your right hand. If, if you're a righty, you're going to be better at writing. So you can't penalize someone for unlocking what they really can do. Right. Agreed. Uh, with that being said, I think I'd rather have McDaniels with the weapons they have with a new quarterback. But Tua definitely makes it a consideration. He's a very good quarterback. But I think if you threw him in like... 
say, like Chicago or somewhere like that. I don't think he'd be thriving as much. Well, that's, I guess, my point, is when we look at, you know, right now, people, a lot of people, it's, it's hot to say that Tua and Mahomes are the two MVP, core, um, you know, front runners based mm-hmm. off the stats they're putting up about Tua. But my question is, is Tua's play being elevated by the playmakers that he has around him? And is Mahomes elevating the play of the people around him? And that, to me, is the thing that, you know, is, is the question that I ask. You put Mahomes in an offense where you take away his weapons, and he's, I mean, I mean, God, boo-hoo-hoo, he still has Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. But still, I mean, you know, you take away a guy like Tyreek Hill, and you bring in some other guys, and he's trying to figure that system out, and he, they don't have a solid running game, and he's still winning and doing things and, and making mm-hmm. the plays and elevating his team. A guy like Aaron Rodgers who, you know, is give him new wide receivers each year and, you know, he's out there and he's still producing a consistent level of play. Not this year. Right. And then you get a guy like Tua where, you know, it becomes murky as where is his ability and and ability to elevate and where is he being elevated based off his playmakers. But I think the most valid point you make and the point I agree with is you can't penalize somebody for being in a system where they're not being allowed to do what they do well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with that, I agree. I just don't know that if I was starting, uh, you know, a franchise from scratch and had to first pick in a draft, that two is my guy if my offensive, if my coach isn't running an RPO mm-hmm. offense. Or, you know, or if, I, if I'm not prepared to adjust the whole scheme to fit what Tua mm-hmm. does. Two is not a plug-and-play quarterback. That's fair, but if I said... This is obviously not plug-and-play, but if you had Mahomes, right, and you said, we're going to run an offense, Mahomes, where you only stay in the pocket. You don't escape the pocket. Mahomes isn't going to be on the same level as he is when you're like, Mahomes, you can do whatever you want. Get out of the pocket, escape the defense, throw it off one foot. Agreed. Yeah. All right, we're on to number six. That's not six. Seven, right? Seven. You're correct. Seven. Uh, Who do you think's at seven? Herbert. No. I have Justin Fields at seven. I was always a Justin Fields believer. Hot take. I like it. Going into that draft, I said, Justin Fields is the best quarterback in that draft. I wanted the Patriots to take him. Through last year, that looked terrible. Matt Nagy, terrible offense. No weapons. Nothing happened. He looked atrocious. Then this year, a lot of the same. Except something clicked in him. It's almost like the Tua thing. He stopped trying to play like Mahomes. Play like Josh Allen. He played like Justin Fields. The best Justin Fields he can be. That Justin Fields is he can throw the ball. Mm-hmm. He has, in a way, a better arm than some other scrambling quarterbacks. I think he has a better arm than Kyler. He makes good decisions. Mm-hmm. and But his real strength is his running ability. He runs like a running back, almost like Lamar. He makes plays on the ground that some running backs couldn't make. Like his long touchdown last week, it's just impressive to watch. Yeah, And I think... I don't know how often those quarterbacks win Super Bowls, but I think we're getting to an era where to be a great quarterback, you've got to have that mobility. Maybe you don't need to run like him or Lamar, but you've got to have mobility. You've got to get out of the pocket. And I think, I think he can lead them to the playoffs and some playoff wins with this play style, even without like the amount of receivers they have. The receivers aren't great. And he's still he's making Cole Komet look like a top-five tight end. He's doing all these things. Yeah, um, I mean, I think that there's probably a reach for Fields, but I like the fact that we have, you know, you have some hot takes in the in the list. Um, I think Fields in this situation right now could be a high ceiling 
and very low floor guy, mm -hmm. meaning, you know, he could bottom out because he's had some games where, he, you know, he looks like you wonder if this guy can complete, you know, complete a pass. He looks like Sam Darnold seeing yeah. most. And exactly. But then, like you mentioned, he also, you know, has these moments where he just absolutely takes a game over and, and gets hot. So he seems to be very streaky. He reminds me a lot of Cam Newton. Mm. in a lot of ways where he, when he's on when he has a hot hand and he's dealing he looks untouchable and then other games he looks like you know he he like i said he couldn't complete you know couldn't complete a basic nfl pass um all right so that brings us to six mm -hmm. we're at six now it has to be we got to be in herbert range we are not in herbert range all right well that's good we are in joe burrow range I am a Joe wow, Burrow guy. Wow, all right, another hot take. One thing about Joe Burrow that some of these quarterbacks have that he doesn't is he's not the most mobile quarterback. Mm -hmm. He's not going to really get out of the pocket that much. But that being said, he has a rocket for an arm. I'm not going to say anything bad about Joe Burrow. He's really, really good. I just think the five guys I have ahead of him are just more electric. Okay. You, I understand that uh, Burrow has a lot more weapons mm -hmm. than the rest of these guys. Like, if you gave, I think if you gave these five guys Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, especially the guy I have at number three, mm -hmm. I think they would be amazing. I think, and that's why I have them ahead of Burrow. I have Bur Burrow. To me, has that Peyton Manning effect. Like when Manning got drafted and went to the Colts, you know, um, he had that that first year where he was starting to just kind of, you know, get get figure things out mm -hmm. and his one in whatever year. But um, after that, like, he just instantly changed that franchise and created a winning culture. And, and Burrow is that kind of player to me. His, I think his confidence, his leadership, um, and, his and his talent, um, to me, are top, are top three in the league. So I'd, I'd have him in the top four. Top four. But, uh, wow. yeah. So I, I, we'll see who you got in there, and I'll tell you who I would bump for Burrow. But um, Burrow, to me, is, is, a top, is a top four. So with that, that brings us into our, inside our top five now. Yes. Who do we have at five? You want me to tell you? I got it. At this point, I, I know the five that we got, so it's going to be the order you have them in. I have Jalen Hurts at five. This might be a reach. Going to this year, Jalen Hurts might have, wouldn't have been top ten. Maybe not top yeah. 15. But he's stepped up so much just throwing the ball, leading the offense, leading them to more wins. He looks like an NFL quarterback. He goes out there, and I don't, I don't think there's... Over the next five years, there's not five guys I'd rather have than him to lead my franchise. Mm. And uh, especially you add in the fact that he can run the ball like like crazy. He's amazing running the ball. I have him at number five. I think he even has room to go up on this list. Okay. I'm putting Burrow. I'm taking Burrow ahead of, of I'm taking Burrow ahead of him. Give Jalen Hurts T against Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, and Tyler Boyd. That's scary. Oh, you can give Joe Burrow, AJ Brown. <laughs> uh Devontae Smith, mm -hmm. Miles Sanders. I think, he, I think he'd do a great job. Yeah, but Burrow better. has better <laughs> weapons still. <laughs> well, I mean, true, but yet I think that he didn't have all those guys. Um, you know, he didn't have Chase his first year, and he still, mm -hmm. you know, made them a very, you know, competitive team. I still, I like Burrow. I like his play. I also think that he's been uh, the more consistent of the two in the passing game. Mm -hmm. Not that Hurts can't continue to develop, which, you know, he might, but I think, again, with going off what we know right now, me personally, um, I would take Burrow ahead of Hurts. Close, mm -hmm. and I wouldn't be you know too up upset if if I you know landed with Hurts, but uh, I'm taking Burrow. So now we're into four. Right. This has got to be Herbert. It is not Justin Herbert. So uh, it's pretty obvious. I have Lamar at three and Herbert 
Sorry, Lamar at four, Herbert at three. All right, all right. I'll explain both at once. I think Lamar is amazing. And honestly, out of all the quarterbacks on this list, he might have the least weapons. Mm -hmm. He has Mark Andrews, obviously, but he misses time. And he hasn't had a good wide receiver since he's been in the league almost. Okay. I like Rashad Bateman, but there's no way Rashad Bateman's your wide receiver one. Right. It's absurd. And he still leads them to wins. They're consistently a good team. You watch him scrambling, running, throwing. There's no one can do the things he does. He's gonna get paid, whether it's by Baltimore or somewhere else. I think wherever he goes, he's gonna succeed because he's one of those plug and play guys. Where like it's not like the weapons are gonna get worse. Right. It's not like the system's that hard to replicate. It's not like his running backs are even great. There's no one on that team besides Lamar Jackson, and he wills them to wins and competitive competing in games. And then Herbert at three. Herbert's a guy who, talking about that two-way thing, I was thinking of him. We can't penalize him because I don't think the system's great for Herbert. Mm-hmm. And his wide receivers are always missing time. <laughs> and his defense is terrible. Yeah. And really, it's just a lot of Herbert. Obviously, he's not his best year this year. Before, I might have Herbert at number one. Yeah. Honestly, I love Herbert. I think his arm, he has the best arm in the league, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's super accurate on the deep ball. Uh, he does... He does not have the mobility of some of these other guys as well. But I, I, I just like Herbert better than Lamar slightly just because of how talented he is. Talented, he is throwing the ball. And also, I don't like subtract just because he has no weapons and right. the system's not great. He had weapons, and that's when he was great, and then those weapons yeah. missed every game this year. Yeah, the Chargers are Chargers are a mess injury-wise right now. But um, I, can't, I can't argue with that. I would definitely... Um, I think it's safe to say that to me i would have had burrow leapfrog hurts and then after that these four guys are all pretty entrenched um mm. you know they're all one one a's when you're talking about were you put in herbert at like eight well i was i was kind of <laughs> guessed where you were gonna have him because ah. i figured you were gonna have some hot takes for me herbert was a herbert's top five quarterback yeah um and then yeah i mean obviously now the question becomes Josh Allen and Mahomes, I'm going to say you have Mahomes 1, Allen 2. Mm, that is correct, yes. because coming into the year, I would have had it the other way around. Right. But Josh Allen, while still being the best player overall in fantasy football, in real football, has not impressed me that much. He's been very sloppy with the ball. He's been running the ball still very extremely effectively, except he's been fumbling a decent amount yeah. this year as well. He's just not been the same player. And for that reason, Buffalo, I don't even think they're winning the AFC East, I think. Miami has a better record than them. Miami's beat them. The Jets have beat them. Yeah. When was the last time that happened in the season? And I, I put a lot of that blame. Obviously, you can't put all the blame for losses on one player. I put a lot of that blame on Josh Allen. Yeah. Just because he's been sloppy with the football. And he hasn't been the same guy who he was where he was going toe-to-toe with at his best Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And we talked about Mahomes enough. He's just crazy. He's a cheat code. There's nothing yeah. you can do to stop him. Yeah, agreed. Point simple. Um, I think the Bills play tight. When they're the favorites, it seems to me. And I think that Allen probably came into the year, you know, after that game that they had, you know, with the disappointing loss last year to Kansas City. And everyone came in and said, expect big things from the Bills. Mm-hmm. And we're still going to see big things from the Bills. I mean, the Bills are going to be there in the end. Um, they're just, you know, having a minute right now where they're just trying to get things right. But, you know, with that said, um, you could tell they're playing tight. Mm-hmm. You know, they, were, they definitely played tight against Miami. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they haven't looked their best. They let that big lead go against the Vikings mm-hmm. and then, you know, played tight in overtime and Allen throws a big interception. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. Allen's not playing his best best football. It looks like, you know, a very talented player that right now is trying to force things. Mm-hmm. He's making Patrick Peterson look like prime yeah. Patrick Peterson when really he's like 35 years yeah. old. And then Mahomes is, you know, he's he's that guy right now where, you know, until you see a significant decline in his play, whether statistically or, you know, in, in the wins and loss column, he is the number one quarterback in the league right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, every year the AFC Championship goes through Kansas City. Mm-hmm. He's, he plays at an elite level. He's has already won Super Bowl under his title uh, or under, under his belt. So to me, uh, you know, one, one year or the next, you know, hot up-and-comer doesn't, you know, usurp uh, you know, Mahomes until, you know, you see, uh, Mahomes's play, uh, decline. And I have not seen, you know, and an even an inkling of that yet, which brings us to this week's games. And we're going to dive right in to a super, super sexy matchup of the Eagles and the Colts. Ooh. I mean, even coming off of a loss. I mean, I'll, I'll Jeff, take the Eagles. Jeff, uh, Saturday. I mean, he won his first game. Jonathan Taylor looks like he's back. But at the end of the day, I don't think they're talented enough. I don't think they're, uh, even not talented, they're not up and down enough. Yeah. Where, like, even at their best, they're not. their ceiling is not that high, yep. the Colts. I don't think they can beat the Eagles. I don't think it'll be a close game. Um, Eagles, you know, they, they, the commanders got their attention last week because they went out and signed a Dominican Sioux mm-hmm. to come in and they're doing everything they can now to stop the run. So Jonathan Taylor can have a big game, um, you know, based off what, you know, Damian Pierce has been able to do and, and what the commanders were able to do last week, you know, in tandem with Robinson and, and, uh, Gibson. But I think the Eagles are going to bounce back. Uh, I don't buy into the Colts regardless of who's a quarterback and who's coaching them. Uh, Eagles. Commanders and Texans. This is another interesting one. Uh, neither team is particularly great, but I'm going to take the team with the hot hand and uh, the in the Commanders. And while I did trade him fantasy football, Terry McLaurin's a beast. Yeah. He's electric. He makes big-time plays. You really can't guard him. And same with Taylor Heineke. Uh, he maybe doesn't put up the best statistics, but he brings energy to this offense that Carson Wentz didn't bring. Last game he threw... A uh, good amount of yards, but he didn't throw a touchdown. But it didn't feel like that. Yeah. Through, it felt like he had complete control of the game. He leads them to wins. So I'm yeah. going to take the Commanders. Uh, no comments for me. Commanders, it is. Browns and Bills, they got moved from Buffalo, where I guess like five feet of snow are about to come down, yeah. to uh, indoors in Detroit. Um, what do you like in this game? I mean, we were just bashing the Bills a bit. And I, I like picking upsets, but I don't see the Browns beating the Bills here. Uh, one common theme about teams that have beat the uh, Bills is they either have a really, really good quarterback or a really, really good receiver. And the Browns obviously have Nick Chubb, who's very good, but they do not have either of those. I uh, I don't really believe in the Browns' overall defense that much. Obviously, Miles Garrett's great, but I'll, I'll take the Bills. Okay. I, um, I see the Bills winning this game again. Nothing that you haven't touched on or, you know, that – you can't hear out there from anyone else with, regarding the Bills and the, and the Browns, and the, um, only a couple inactives for the Browns. Uh, excuse me, for the Bills on on defense, and they've been you know playing banged up 
all year, but I just think at the end of the day, the Bills, you know, are going to have too much offense for for Cleveland to keep up with. I mean, Miami, mm-hmm. you know, did a did a really good job on them last week. Um, Giants and Lions. Lions are visiting the Giants. This is a t- a game that the Lions would win, shock everybody, break everyone's hearts in New York. Uh, it could be an Amon Ra St. Brown game, which he hasn't had in a while. Uh, I think I'm still going to take the Giants, but I think it's going to be a close game. The Lions always play teams close, but I'm, I'm going to take the Giants, who's just playing great football right now. I am going to take the Lions in the upset. Um, really? Lions play absolutely no defense, but they can actually put points up. Mm-hmm. So uh, this could be a fun game. They um, haven't put up points. that many points recently, though. That's true, but they had they had they had the ability to, and I do like their offense. Um, I mean, who would have saw you know Jamal Williams coming out of nowhere to basically take over that backfield? But they got a lot of weapons. Um, I think the Lions are going to upset them. That's 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 one of my hot takes this week. We now go to two two teams that you know have had a lot of buzz around them, and and one coming off a disappointing loss, one coming off an exhilarating win. The Cowboys and the Vikings. Uh. I really like the Vikings, and I'm just going to keep probably picking the favorites almost. I, I'm not feeling the upsets today, I guess. So I'm going to take the Vikings. Uh, the Cowboys are a very good team, though. I think Zeke is believed to come back, yep, which back I too. think actually hurts the team. Because, while, once again, while I trade him fantasy, this isn't fantasy. This is real life. Tony Pollard is the better back. Yeah. But Jerry Jones really likes Zeke. They're paying Zeke a lot more money. Zeke will be the running back one on that team. I think that hurts them. Dak hasn't looked in prime form yet, Yeah, I would say. C.D. Lamb's obviously a beast. But overall, I think the Vikings' offense is just too much, especially the addition of Hawkinson a few weeks ago. There's just no weaknesses on that offense, so I'll take them. I agree. Um, it's in Minnesota. That, to me, is going to be a deciding factor. Zeke is coming back. Um, Dallas does, you know, need this game. But right now, the Vikings, I think, are just they're just playing really hot. And they're going to be, you know, too much for the Cowboys. I think that they're going to be able to run. Uh, Cook's going to be able to run on them. And uh, they're going to get out of there with a win. The Chiefs are visiting the Chargers. Who do you like in that one? We've been praising the Chiefs for this whole episode. But I'm going to pick the upset. I'm going to take the Chargers. I think this is, a, one might say, a Justin Herbert legacy game. I think they're due one. I don't, even if their weapons don't come back. Right now, Josh Palmer and DeAndre Carter, they look really good. Uh, I think eventually this defense has to come around in a way. I mean, you've got so many good players on that defense where I think they can, they're going to contain Mahomes to about 21-ish points this week, right around there. I think Herbert's going to get a late score for the win. Okay. Um, I'm going with Chiefs. I haven't seen anything from the Chargers that makes me think that they're going to be any different from the Raiders or the... Um, Broncos right now with with that division and and how downhill it's went. Uh, I think he is getting the Chargers getting Keenan Allen back this week, but that might just be for a quarter. <laughs> Who knows how you know with with um, his injuries? Um, but it'd be nice if they were able to start getting their weapons back and clicking. But I just think that right now um, the Chiefs are are playing very well. They probably won't have any Juju Smith for this game, but um, I think this is a game the Chiefs win. Bears visiting the Falcons. Justin Fields is on the hot, the hot streak, and Marcus Mariota is on the hot seat. Uh, he just looks bad. He, while he's still, once again, a very good or solid fantasy quarterback, uh, there was a play last week where he literally rolled on the ground, <laughs> got up, and just 
No, he threw it while rolling on the ground right to a defender. And uh, uh, the the fans were chanting, we want Desmond Ritter or Ryder. I don't remember mm-hmm. how to say it. Uh, I think Mario stays in, and I think the Bears win this. I don't think the Falcons have any defense to stop Justin Fields. I think he keeps rolling. Okay. Um, I'm going with the Falcons. Falcons are a scrappy team, and uh, I think they're due for a... Uh, they're due for another another win. It'll be a close one. Um, Falcons have like 15 running backs that they they rotate in. Yeah. So, you know, they'll definitely have a lot of fresh legs. Um, Mariota, I think, does enough, and I like the way that, that team plays. They're kind of they're kind of a they're not the, the the funnest offense to watch in terms of throwing the ball around the field, but um, they're a scrappy team and and they play hard. So. Uh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with the Falcons on that one. We have uh, another great game here that we have the Jets visiting the Patriots. I'm a Patriots fan, and this is not biased. We have their number. They can't beat us. Give me the Patriots. Zach Wilson looks like Sam Darnold seeing ghosts once again when he plays the Patriots. Bill Belichick just he can't he can't move the ball on Belichick. The over under is like three and a half picks probably. I'll probably take the over. I think we absolutely lock down the Jets. Our offense gets the job done. Probably like eight more field goals from Nick Folk. <laughs> I think we win. I'm actually, I agree with everything you said, but I'm actually picking the Jets. <laughs> I, I think that they will win in spite of Zach Wilson. I think it'll be an ugly game. But um, I think the Jets are due for, um, you know, for a victory up in New England uh, against Belichick. And I think that the Patriots, you know, they don't really have their offensive situation resolved yet. And I could definitely see this just being a very, you know, gritty, low-scoring, ugly game. Not a fun mm-hmm. one to watch, but uh, one that the Jets have, you know, the potential to sneak out uh, with a win and actually would put them in first place in the AFC East. Who could imagine? Uh, we have the Rams visiting the Saints, and who would have thought that this game would be pretty much an off-everybody's-radar kind of game with two teams that, are, that have been fading big time? Uh, the Rams, especially without Cooper Cup, essentially have no offense. Matt Stafford does not look like the guy who led a team to the Super Bowl. He looks like a, a worse version of Jared Goff right now. So uh, uh, they're overall without Cup. Their offense just isn't that strong. Maybe Allen Robinson starts playing well with Cup out. And their defense hasn't been the defense I expected. Uh, so I'm going to take the Saints. I think if the Saints get the ball to Kamara and Olave and their other playmakers, I think they can get big yards after the catch, especially Kamara. I think they really got to use him. And I think it might not be a high-scoring affair, but I, I think the uh, the Saints pull it out. Okay. Um, I agree. Um, I mean, I'm not even sure if Stafford has been cleared to play um, or if it's going to be, was it, Wolford? Yeah. Again, and, I mean, and he was terrible. He's not, <laughs> not an NFL quarterback. Um, the Saints are bad. But the Saints are bad with, you know, consistent players in the position. So unless the Saints are going to make the move away from Dalton back to Winston, they'll be rolling out at least a consistent offensive unit where the Rams, as you mentioned, are kind of in disarray and are figuring things out. Um, The game is in New Orleans. I think the Saints win it. And it's shocking to think um, how far the Rams have fallen since, you know, their Super Bowl uh, last season. We have the Panthers visiting the Ravens. Once again, I was just pl- praising Lamar Jackson. I think this is a game. Baker Mayfield's a starter. I'm going to go one last time. I'm going to bet on Baker Mayfield. I'm going to take the Panthers. I think it might be a game where Lamar has one of his many off games, where he's good but not the same uh, player as he is on his best games. He throws a few picks. I think Baker will have a very good game, get the job done. 
obviously Foreman might get the job done. And uh, is it Foreman? Yeah. 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 I was. I was. Oh, thought I said the guy from Tennessee, Hilliard. Yeah. But uh, Foreman. Uh, they have decent receivers still. I think they get the job done. Uh, pull it out. Okay. I'm going Ravens. Um, just it's in Baltimore. Uh, I like the matchup for the Ravens. I think they'll put points up, and I think that they're going to be capable of, of stopping stopping the run, although we haven't seen a ton. Ravens defense has been very up and down, but it looks like they're starting to put things together. We have the Raiders visiting the Broncos. The Broncos suck. There's no other way to say it. Russell Wilson's terrible, and especially with Judy out for a while probably. They don't use their receivers correctly because Cortland Sutton is a monster. They don't use him. All the running backs got hurt. Uh, their defense isn't very good. They traded everybody. Uh, but with that being said, I think I'm going to take the Broncos. Uh, I, I, I just got to think eventually this team needs to turn it around. Mm -hmm. I think this could be a decent game to do that. Uh, and I think Russ will look maybe not like uh, Seahawks Russ when he led them to the Super Bowl, but he'll look fine better than he has, and I think they'll win. Okay, I'm going with the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders have felt like they've really been taking each loss to heart, um, that they're fighting hard. Um, both teams are a complete disarray, and I am just going to feel – I feel like the Raiders are due for one, and if, they're, if there's ever a chance to win, it's against the Broncos. So I'm going to go Raiders. We have the Bengals visiting the Steelers. Uh, same thing with the Broncos, but even more for the Steelers. They're not good. Their offense is not good. T.J. Watt's obviously back now, but still, I'm not sure. Who are they playing again? Bengals and Steelers. I keep forgetting the second team. Uh, the Bengals, I'm going to take the Bengals. I don't think it'll be a close one. I think this is a game where uh, T. Higgins and Burrow, like 400 yards for Burrow, <laughs> like 150 for T, two touchdowns. I think Mixon will run on them. I think it'll be a blowout. I'm going Bengals. I think they're due against the Steelers, especially considering the Steelers dealt them that loss early in the year. I think the Bengals will be looking to, you know, exact a little revenge there. Um, and our last game, we have the Niners visiting the Cardinals. I'm going to assume Kyler's playing this game, obviously, because he did not start the last game. Uh, CMC is such a good weapon, and the Niners have an overall great team. I'm going to take the Cardinals, though. Just because if Kyler plays, I, I believe in the Kyler and Hopkins connection. Hopkins has been amazing since he's came back from a suspension so far this year. Uh, and Hollywood might come back this game, how much impact he will have. But I think I'll take Kyler and the Cardinals. All right. I'm going to go with the Niners. I feel that uh, Shanahan has always done a good job in this division um, with taking care of you know uh, division wins. And right now, the Niners, they came off that, that victory against the Chargers. The Cardinals, like you mentioned, are, you know, a little bit up and down. And I like the, I like the weapons. I think the Niners are still trying to figure out what they're going to do with Debo. Uh, he's not been having a year like I think most of us thought he would. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that, uh, you know, they still have a lot of weapons. Everybody on the team is relatively healthy. Jimmy G is a, is a fantastic game manager. And uh, I think they're going to get out of there with the win. All right. Well, my friend, congratulations on another fantastic episode. All NFL. We will be back soon with uh, an, an NBA-focused episode coming where Zach's going to kind of break down his uh, championship picks. Um, we'll be doing some early awards. Maybe we'll be doing a, a game where Zach has to fix an NBA team. 
And we'll be uh, getting into a little Major League Baseball as hopefully the hot stove will be heating up winter meetings and we'll be pushing into uh, spring training along with uh, NFL football, playoff football probably at that point in time. So thank you guys so much for watching. Leave some comments in the description below. And until then, we will see you guys next time. Take care.